0: Talk to you today about lost or found. That's kind of a question. Are we lost? Or are we found? The Japanese 20th century culture, it's changed somewhat, but in the 20th century, in the imperialistic type of government they were under, loyalty to the emperor, loyalty to the state was everything. And that's what made uh, th- this. Army, the Japanese army during World War II, so difficult to battle. In fact, it was in the psyche of the Japanese soldier to never surrender. They would rather commit suicide or die than admit they lost. And so, when the Americans began to begin to have victory in the Pacific, those Japanese soldiers that were not captured or did not have a kamikaze type. Um, type assault, uh, many of them began to just hide out, hide out in the jungles. And so uh, prop- propaganda was sent, and actually, not propaganda, information, uh, in, to 19, when 1945 came around and started telling these soldiers that were in the jungles in the Philippines and in other Asian islands, the war is over, the Japanese have lost, you can now come back, your orders no longer apply. But there were a segment of these soldiers who believed this was this was not true propaganda. And so they, they were not going to surrender. One in particular stayed on one of the Philippine islands. There were three of them, and one got captured, one got killed, and there was one remaining soldier who stayed at his post following orders that he received in early 1945, and he stayed there for 29 years. 29 years. You can Google this, and it's... There's all types of credible media sources that talk about that. In fact, in 74, he returned to Japan somewhat of a national hero uh, because he continued to follow the orders he received in 1945 to not surrender. 29 years he's hiding in this Philippine jungle. The world is changing. He's hiding while the world is going on. He's hiding while really everyone had forgotten about him. In fact the military had declared that he was dead. And here he was, totally in isolation, completely hiding, and he was hiding in an unnecessary for unnecessary reasons. This is what I sense God is saying to us today. I think a lot of us are in hiding right now. We're in hiding, and we're in hiding for various reasons, and those reasons are really real to us, they're really legitimate to us, but what I want you to see today through the scripture is that when you hide, oftentimes you think that you are hiding for a noble cause or a correct reason, or you think that you're hiding for reasons that are justifiable, but the only person you're really hurting is yourself, the only person you're really hurting is you, so how do we hide? We we hide relationally a lot, do we not? Have you ever just known people, or you've been this person, I think I've been this person too, that just relationally just kind of fall off the grid. And you wonder, man, we we haven't we haven't heard from Joe in forever. Or, Have you seen Sally? She's not around anymore. It's not like This person announced, hey, I'm leaving and I won't be around. You won't see me for a while. The person just kind of goes off the grid, doesn't return calls, doesn't return texts. We do that for a lot of different reasons. Sometimes it's because there's a relational problem with someone and resentment is built up. And we're kind of quietly protesting a relationship. We're kind of hoping, I wonder if anyone will notice if I'm not there. Will anyone notice if I don't show up? And it's like this unfair test we're giving to people we love. We're expecting them to read our minds and read our intentions and read our hearts. And so we just kind of disappear. And when we do that, we, we sabotage a lot of things God has given us in our life before. We just disappear for reasons that are legitimate to ourselves, but may not be helpful. Sometimes we disappear by generally being disengaged. You might physically show up somewhere. You might physically show up for your job because you want to get your paycheck, but you're not engaged anymore. They've got your body, but they don't have your heart. They've got your physical matter, but they don't have your uh, attention or your effort. And you're just disengaged. You're just showing up at the family, family dinner. You're just showing up at the church. You're just showing up. You're physically there, but you're hiding. You're hiding your personality, you're hiding your talents, you're, you're hiding whatever God wants you to participate in. And the reason why you can identify with this right now is because this is a natural reaction to us. We've all done it before. Some of us are more susceptible than other people, but we, we have just said, I am not going to put my heart into that relationship I'm not going to put my heart into that situation. I'm not going to put my heart into that job or that organization. Man, and it's really bad when we say, I'm not putting my heart into that marriage anymore. You know, we're just going to go through the motions and pass the time. Uh, That kid, uh, he or she has never listened to me, so whatever. I'm just, you know, they'll be out of the house in a few years anyway. I'm just going to let time pass. And we are hiding. A lot of of times the reason we hide is because we have a natural instinct When we receive and feel an emotion that we don't like. We initially say, I'm not going to feel that again. I will not be vulnerable again. I will not try to be funny again because no one laughed at my jokes. I mean, that's not real heavy, but that helps us understand. I go through that every Sunday because my jokes, they hit about 50-50. Whatever the case is, we, we, just say, we just say, I don't want to experience that emotion again. I don't want to experience rejection again. I don't want to experience that scrutiny again, so I'm not going to lead anymore. The problem is, when we hide, we think we're hurting other people, but we're really hurting ourselves, and we're hurting God's call on our life then what about that call? Because a lot of us, it's not just that we're hiding relationally. We're hiding from the call of God on our lives. And when I talk about the call of God on our lives, we immediately, because of yesteryear, start thinking of the vocational call to ministry, like to go live in a foreign country or to quit your job for the ministry. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the stuff you know you're supposed to be doing right now. There's gifts God's given you. There's relationships God has chosen you to be connected with that he has assigned in the kingdom your perspective, your leadership, your personality to be the key to someone else. And when you hide, the people God has placed in your life are less of who he wants them to be because he's chosen for us to be connected relationally. So what are the reasons that we hide? Now I could come up with a lot of different reasons, but I thought it would be most helpful today for us to look at three stories in the Bible where people hid. And so let's go to Genesis chapter 3. All of these stories have context to them, so if you're like, not quite following me, go back later and read the verses before, maybe the verses after. But for the sake of brevity, we're going to, you know, make some assumptions that there's Some basis of knowledge of these stories are at the very least, we'll give like the Cliff Notes version or the Wikipedia version of the story for the modern generation. I'm sure those under 50 don't even know what Cliff Notes are. So God created Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve were told you can have everything but one tree. Stay away from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It was God's gift of free will. And so they both ate of the tree and then they were aware of their sinfulness. One of the curses we receive under sin is we realize we realize that we're not holy. And the good news is that we know the one who makes us holy. But between the time of the revelation of sin and the revelation of salvation, Adam and Eve felt really really exposed. So we go to Genesis chapter 3 verse 8 says, this is after the fall. After Adam, Adam and Eve had fallen. The man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord. This is chapter three, verse eight. Sound of the Lord God walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze. Now, let me just give some commentary here. This is a tender verse here. I know all of our work schedules and school schedules don't fall a eight to five type of, some of third shift, night shift and all that. But generally, we work during the work day. And then if we're blessed, we get to end our days with people we love. Share a meal, share a TV show, or spend time with the Lord. That's a blessing too, is it not? Those of you who are living by yourself, you're not alone. God's presence is always with you. And here was, they're ending the day with God seeking them out. This is tender and beautiful and it applies to us today that the Lord is seeking us out in those tender moments and we end our days with the ones we love and the one we love the most is Him. But look what happens in verse 8. And they hid themselves from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. And that's why I bring the scripture today. So the Lord called out to the man and said to him, where are you? And he said, I heard you in the garden. And I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And then he asked, who told you that you were naked? Did you eat from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? And, you know, the rest of the story goes. And, yes, they did. Here's the first thing I want you to write down, is one of the reasons we hide is simply because of sin. I want you to understand something, sin makes us less of who God has created us to be. Many of us, when we participate knowingly in sin and choose that sin and choose not to repent of that sin, do you know it literally changes who you are? It changes your personality. And all the time, dealing with the faith community and dealing with people, this question comes up all the time. Who in the world is she right now? I don't even know this person right now. Because sin, when we give sin a foothold, and we give sin an open door, and we let sin creep into our lives... We begin to do things that God hasn't called us to do, and it really isn't us anymore. It's not that reborn person reborn by grace. Sin may feel familiar, it may feel natural. We may be even deceived because it brings us back to a way we were in the past saying, well, this is really the true me. No, the true you is not the one chained. The true you is not the one in bondage. The true you is not the one who's a slave to sin. The true you is one who has freedom through Jesus. The true you is the one who has been marked as righteous and holy by God. And when we're walking with the Lord and we're walking with the Spirit, that's the real us. So it is that When God is looking for us, we hide because of sin. The scripture is very clear that there's consequences to sin. We reap what we sow. All through the Old Testament and into the New Testament when grace is known and grace is celebrated, still the church has said there's some behavior that has consequences. But hear me. Those consequences are not forever. And hear this, that the Lord's plan, even when we mess things up, is greater than our plan without the Lord. And here's what I know. I know that when we willfully sin, it changes things, it affects people, it brings about negative circumstances and negative consequences in our life. But I know this, as I know that there's always a new day And there's a new opportunity and there's a new way. And some of you are punishing yourself because you're hiding from the Lord. Because you think that the sin you committed, you have to uh, self-incriminate yourself. And you're hiding from the Lord. And the Lord is saying, come to me, I'm looking for you. I'm looking for you. The Lord doesn't want you to stay in your sin. The Lord doesn't want you to stay hidden. The Lord wants to come, and he wants to meet you at the place where you made the mistake, and he wants to come right in the middle of the consequence, right in the middle of the mess that your sin made, and he's still looking for you. So some of us, we're hiding relationally, and we're hiding from our call. Those are the two things that are on my heart this morning, simply because unresolved sin in our life, and even when we, you know, we've repented of sin and gone to the Lord's table and... According to the scripture and according to the work of the cross, we're clean and we're pure from before the Lord, yet we're still hiding because we're living in shame and condemnation that Jesus wants to free us from. And I'm just going to tell you, by the power of Jesus and what he did on the cross, come out of hiding, saints of God. Come out of the shadows. Come out of the trees. Come out of the place where you're... you're Staying away from your God. Your God is searching for you at the most tender time of the day. And he wants to have fellowship with you. And no longer do we need to sin because excuse me, no longer do we need to hide because of sin. Here's another reason we hide. We learn this from the life of Saul. Because of fear. We hide because of fear. And every single creature fear something. There's no one who's fearless. We just, we just learn to be courageous. Courage does come in the form of a fearless attitude, but we're only fearless because we had a fear. So fear is that enemy we all have to look in the eye, and through the power of Jesus, we have to overcome, know that he's overcome for us. Israel wanted a king. So the Lord relented. Isn't that interesting? The Lord said, I'm going to give you a king. And he found someone in the land who was physically taller than anyone else. His name was Saul. He had the family connection. He had the physical attributes. He had everything that you're looking for in a leader. And yet, even with all of the human advantages, without The courage of the Lord and the favor of the Lord, he walked in fear. So we go to 1 Samuel 10, chapter 10, verse 17. It says Samuel summoned the people to the Lord at Mizpah and said to the Israelites, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says I brought Israel out of Egypt and I rescued you from the power of the Egyptians. And the kingdoms that were oppressing you. But today you have rejected your God who saves you from all your troubles and afflictions. He said to him, you must set a king over us. Now, therefore, present yourself before the Lord by your tribes and clans. Samuel had all the tribes of Israel come forward, and the tribe of Benjamin was selected. And then he had the tribe of Benjamin come forward by its clans, and the Matrite clan was selected. Finally, Saul, son of Kish, was selected. Now, I want you to just see this. Or like this is this, this huge selection process where all the leaders of the clans all gathered. And there's always a leader of every clan, just so you know that. That's all through the Bible. You always have to have a leader in every clan. Every little group has to have a leader. All the leaders showed up. And God said, of all the different tribes, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick this tribe. And of this tribe, I'm going to pick this family. Of this family, I'm going to pick this man. I mean, this is quite a selection process. This is quite a selection process that the Lord is using the prophet for. And you would think at this point, Saul would be feeling good and enthusiastic about being chosen and ready to take on the challenge. But look what happens. But when they searched for him, they could not find him. He was hiding They again inquired of the Lord, has the man come here yet? The Lord replied, there he is, hidden among the supplies. They ran and got him from there. And when he stood among the people, he stood a head taller than anyone else. And Samuel said to all the people, do you see the one the Lord has chosen? There is no one like him among the entire population. And all the people shouted, long live the king. Here it is in the midst of this human talent and human recognition and this very detailed and sounds like effective selection process, the one whom God has chosen was hidden. The one whom God has chosen could not be found. So even though everyone else recognized the qualities, we can suppose that Saul didn't see the qualities that Samuel or God saw in him. So he was afraid. How many of us this morning are hiding because of fear? Fear of not being accepted, fear of not being effective, fear of the consequences it's going to bring to our life, fear of missing God. We could list our fears over and over and over again and I could list 20 or 30 fears today and I still would be missing some fear relevant to you. Because we all have our fears and those fears cause us to hide. And I I just want to speak to you, man and woman of God, no longer should you hide because of a fear in your life. Because you have the God who's loved you and created you and has empowered you, and if God has called you into something, he doesn't call you to fail. Even when things don't go our way, even when the outcome is not what we imagine, even when the temporary circumstances seems to show that, wow, this is not the outcome preferred, desired, or expected. If you trust God as sovereign, and you trust God has a plan, that even our failures in the natural, he makes us a winner through those. So really, if we really are centered on the scripture and centered on God's plan, there's no reason to fear. We have no reason to fear. Let's look at the third story today. Third story is the story of Gideon. And I want us to look at, you can write this down, doubt. Here it was that God, again, heard the cries of his people. And when he heard the cries of the people, one of the primary ways, biblically, God answers the prayer of his people is by raising up great leaders. Also, a way God judges his people is raising up bad leaders. i just let that sink in for a second. You pray that through. God blesses his people with good leaders, and God judges his people with poor leaders. Often, through the Old Testament... And you see that pattern through the New Testament too, because in the New Testament church, there were very distinct leaders for the distinct churches. James led the church in Jerusalem. Paul and Barnabas led the church out of Antioch. And here it is that God heard the cry of his people, people who were under oppression, people who were under judgment. And God chose this man named Gideon And we'll pick up the story in Judges chapter 6, verse 11. It says, the angel of the Lord came, and he sat under the oath that was in Ophrah, which belonged to Joash, the Abyssalite. His son Gideon was threshing wheat in the wine vat in order, here's the word again, in order to hide it from the Midianites. He was doing his work at night, hiding, hidden. Verse 12, then the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Now that's quite comical to think this guy is in the middle of the night. Most likely he's doing his work in fear of being caught. So he's not exactly in the natural, this great, mighty leader, warrior guy. And here he is in the middle of the night. The Lord says to him, the Lord says, the Lord is, the angel of the Lord says, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Verse 13, this is how Gideon responds. Gideon says to him, Please, sir, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened? Do you just feel the skepticism here? The cynicism? The disillusionment? In fact, those are all words that I considered using, and we settled on the word doubt. But all those things kind of create this stew, does it not? Gideon is a lot like uh, the younger generations in every generation. I'm not picking on the younger generation now. I'm, I'm, I'm teaching at every spot of history, the younger generation seems to question things. If the Lord is with us, why has all this happened? Right? If the Lord is with us, why has all this happened? And so, in verse 13. He says, where are all his wonders that our fathers told us about? They said, hasn't the Lord brought us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to Midian. This is the sense of disillusionment and sometimes the generational um, sense of anger that comes up. I don't want to hear about Egypt. What's happening right now? I don't want to hear about our past history, what's happening right now. And so the Lord says, verse 14, Go in the strength you have and deliver Egypt from the power of Midian. Am I not sending you? I want to just preach a separate sermon right there. Listen, we can analyze our current state of culture. We can analyze the generations coming up behind us. Are before us and say well they don't have what it takes and what's going to happen and the circumstances are bad but if god raises people up and the presence of god comes and it makes up for every deficiency that there is amen verse 15 he said to him please lord how can i deliver israel here's the doubt again look my family is the weakest in manasseh and i'm the youngest in my father's house And and here it is, limitation, excuses, weaknesses. This, talk about a pessimistic outlook outlook here. And then the Lord says this, here's the answer. I will be with you. I will be with you. The presence of God speaks to our greatest doubt, our greatest disillusionment. And and I know this is that I, I just implore you to spend time with the Lord every day. Please, please, I'm listening to myself preach this for the sake of your soul, for the sake of people you love, for the sake of God's work in this earth, for the sake of our country. The most patriotic thing you can do is to be someone who loves God. And as we read the word and we make sure that we are being shaped by the scripture and we're being shaped by the community of God. And then beyond information, there's the presence of the divine. That God's presence, which operates in the boundaries of his word, comes and touches our souls. And it refreshes us. And when we're naturally pessimistic, and we're naturally uh, prone to being disillusioned, and we're naturally prone to being negative. That's how I am, you ask Beth. I am naturally a negative person. It's been God's spirit breathing life into me that has caused me to have faith instead of doubt. That has caused me to have hope instead of despair. That has caused me to have optimism instead of this sense of of doom that things are going to get worse and the whole world is just going to uh, totally collapse and all is, is poor and nothing will be better. Through Christ, we do have a better future. And through his plan, we do have a better day. And we have to look beyond our limitations. And we have to look beyond the present circumstances. And we even have to look beyond the cultural prism that says, God's not at work today. He's only been in our past. And say that. God, come in the strength we have today. God, come in our limitations today. And I want... To say this, if God is with us, we will not fail. If God is with us, we will not be in despair. If God is with us, we can take new ground spiritually. That's the hope that we have. So no longer doubt. God didn't say, hide out until I come. He said, work while it's still day, because the night cometh and we can't work. So whatever God's called you to do, get about the Father's business. Quit hiding because of sin. Quit hiding because of doubt. Quit hiding because of fear. The days we have before us are great days. The sin may be great, but the glory is even greater. For when sin abounds, grace abounds even more. We get a chance to see more of the miraculous, more of the power of God. We get to see more salvations. We need to see more of God's delivering power and, and the ways of the Lord will be clearer and greater than ever. I remember there was a time when I was a young man I mean, so young I wasn't even married, and I got married at 22, so I was a teenager probably. So I was young, young, and the question among my peers, should we have kids when we grow up? Should we have kids when we grow up? Because the world's going to be so dark, and it's going to be so bad, and it's going to be so wrong, but you know what? I realized this, that through conversation with the church community, and through uh, the, the counsel of the word, we realize that our kids today have opportunity. Our kids today have chances to see things that we'll never get to see. They're going to be living in a time when the glory of God is going to be stronger and greater. I'm glad that my kids are living now in a day where uh, many of the racist attitudes have been eradicated. I'm glad that my kids are now living today in a day when churches are not fighting each other, and denominations are not having wars, and we're realizing that we've got one Savior. His name is Jesus, and we're going to get focused on Him. We're living in a day when we can see breakthroughs in science breakthroughs in the medical field that God's using Christian researchers and Christian doctors and God is causing Christians to care about the plight of the poor and God is causing Christians to care that people don't have good water in the third world and that that there's an unequitable distribution of food. These are things that we didn't even consider when I was a teenager because we were just waiting for the rapture to happen. Can I tell you that God is raising up his church. He's raising up his people. He's raising up a new generation to do the work of the Lord. And we will not hide because of sin. And we will not hide because of fear. And we will not hide because of doubt. Because the Lord in his presence is leading us to a greater day. All right. (laughs) Let's finish the sermon, huh? Had three jokes go through my head. That just had that pause, and I'm I'm maturing before your eyes. I let them all go. Excuse me. So instead of hiding from the God, what's the alternative? The alternative is to seek the Lord. To seek the Lord, and I'm calling you, church, to be seekers of the Lord. I do not want to lead a church of cultural Christians because. Cultural Christians stink. It's a smelly, stinky smell. Smelly smells our smell, but it's a stinky smell in the nostrils of unbelievers. But the aroma of Christ is pleasant to those he has chosen. and God is calling us to be those who seek him and to seek his presence. And it's either one or the other. You're either hiding or you're seeking the Lord. You're either succumbing to sin and fear and doubt, or you're seeking after him in his presence. We seek, first of all, because he chose us. Write that down. He chose us. Ephesians 1.4 says this, for he chose us in him before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. Can you look at this screen for a second and just let that sink into your spirit? He chose us in him before the foundation, the creation of the world, what's what that's what that saying, to be holy and blameless in his sight. He chose us. I want you to seek the Lord because the fact that you're listening to this sermon today means you've been chosen. The fact that of the seven billion people on this planet, you're one of two or three billion who've heard the name of Jesus, you've been chosen. You've been chosen by God. And that should cause us to love him when we meditate on that. And then the second reason is this, is he cares. God cares for you. He cares for you deeply. 1 Peter 5, 7 says this, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. The same God who walked in the garden to find Adam and Eve who were hiding. He did it because he cared for them. The same God who acquiesced to the people's desire for a king and raised up a great king raised up a qualified king. He cares. The same God who heard the cries of the people and rose up an unqualified warrior named Gideon. He cares. He cares for us. I want to ask our ushers to position themselves. We're going to distribute communion and we're going to take it as a church community today. And as they're getting prepared for that, I want to tell you a story that was told to be by my grandmother. She passed away in 1997. So I used to hear this story a lot when she was trying to, tell me not to pout and so what I remember the story I now tell you her brother's name was Charlie Uncle Charles I knew him in fact his granddaughter Angie uh, attends our second service Un- Uncle Charlie uh, when they were children living out in West Texas there the county fair didn't come around very often and this particular day Little Charlie wanted to go to the fair. And his father said, We can't go today, son. We got chores to do. We got things to do maybe later on in the week, maybe in a few days, and as children often do. Charlie got so upset that he went to do his chores, but he really didn't do his chores. You know what he did? Is he hid. And he hid on part of the farm where he knew he wouldn't be found easily. So some time passed. Charlie Charlie's sitting there by himself, and he hears his father yell, Charlie, where are you, Charlie? And that little boy sat there and just pouted. He said, he don't know where I am. He didn't know what I'm doing. I'm not going to respond. So again, he yells, Charlie, Charlie. And little Charles didn't listen. Third time, Charlie. Come back, come back. Charlie didn't come back. So like it often happens, little Charlie got hungry. Decided it was time to go back. Some time passed. So he went back to the main house. And as he gets to the main house, the father says, Where have you been? Where have you been? The Johnsons came by with their horse and buggy on the way to the fair and they wanted to take you. And I yelled and yelled and yelled and tried to get you to come back because I wanted you to go. And he missed his chance to go. The heart of the Father is yelling out your name. Some of you are hiding. And you think you're punishing him. And you think you're Really showing the church community or the family or your spouse or whatever. I'm, look, I'm hiding and, you know, they're missing out on me. But guess what? You're the one that's losing the heart of the Father saying, come back, come back. Let's pray about that.